Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Hello. If I hadn't learned French, then I never would have gone on to learn eight foreign languages. I never would have written dozens of language learning books. I never would have started a company that employs dozens of people and reaches millions of language learners around the world. It is safe to say that French is an important language for me. And in this video, I'm gonna tell you the story of how I came to learn French and how it all started with heartbreak. Welcome back to the channel, guys. My name is Ollie Richards. And if you are new here, this channel is all about helping you learn a new language through the power of story so you can become fluent faster and live your best life. And French, for me, was the very first language that got me interested in, well, language learning and the world. I sometimes think what would have happened if I hadn't learned French back in the year 2000, but I'm very glad I did. So I wanted to tell you the story of how this happened. It all began, like I said, with some heartbreak. I was 19 years old and I was living in London. I was at university doing a degree in jazz piano, completely unrelated to languages. I'd never heard any background in languages at all, but it all kind of started one day when I received a phone call from my girlfriend at the time of two years who said like, oh, I don't really want to be with you anymore. And that kind of sent me into a bit of a downward spiral. I took a year out of university and I ended up getting a job in some local cafe in London, which was not what I expected to do. But it was good that I did because there in the cafe, the people I was working with were from lots of different countries. They were from Spain and France and Sweden and Japan and all of this. And I just kind of, I was just bowled over by the fact that they not only spoke a uh, different language, but they spoke each other's languages and English as well. Many of these guys spoke two, three, four languages. And I was just like, wow, this is this is quite something. It made me feel very inadequate. I was really hurting at the time. And so after a couple of months working in this cafe, I decided that I basically wanted to run away. And my ex had spent some of her gap year in France. And so I thought, well, obviously work for her, maybe it'll work for me as well. So I got on a train, I bought a one-way ticket on the Eurostar to Paris, and then I just kind of turned up and said, hey, what am I gonna do now? At the time, I'd kind of, I'd, I'd been learning French for a couple of months, like in my spare time. I think I'd bought like some basic grammar textbook. I remember making some kind of basic paper flashcards. It was really like the only thing that I knew to do. Get a book, start learning, learn some vocabulary, learn some verbs. That was all I knew. So I started doing that and I really, you know, I, I could say a few things, but but not much at all. When I first went to Paris, I stayed in a in a youth hostel where I was surrounded by, by other foreigners. And so I was kind of like in this pretty protected bubble um, with my really mediocre French. And I remember staying in that youth hostel for a few weeks and it was kind of fun because I met some people from you know, all over the world again, but they were all, they were all foreigners. They were just in Paris, usually just for a few days, just to check it out. And there was me kind of starting this new life. And I, I was a complete mess at the time. I'll be honest with you. Like I was 19, I, I just left university. I bailed out of university after one year. Uh, I was, you know, in the kind of heartbroken state that only a 19 year old could be in. And I'd also never really traveled before on my own. So I didn't know how to handle myself. And I've sort of since learned that, you know, learning how to be alone in a foreign country is a serious life skill that takes time to develop. And I really did not, I did not do a good job of it back then. All I knew, all I had in my head was this idea that, hey, if I can learn French, 
then everything will be okay. That will be the solution to all my problems because I'll make all these French friends. I'll, you know, I'll just be able to go to parties and speak French with everybody in French, 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 French. I had built it up into this big, um, this big kind of dream, I guess. I'd, I'd romanticized the whole thing. But at the core, you know, I was this kind of monolingual 19 year old British guy, like, like a duck out of water in Paris, needing to, to figure things out. I think the one thing that I had going for me was real drive and motivation. I was really committed to, to learning French. I had no money at all. And um, so I was looking for a job. It's kind of crazy to think that I just go to Paris with stay in a youth hostel and look for a job. It's the kind of thing you can only do when you're when you're that age, really, with no responsibilities. But I, I did, and uh, I had a lucky break because the guy who owned the youth hostel where I was staying uh, said, "Hey, you know, I know you're looking for a job. Uh, I've got a friend up in uh, Montmartre, in the north of Paris, where, uh, who has a youth hostel, and he's looking for someone to actually man the front desk." And so I said, "Oh, that sounds cool." So I went up to. Uh, to, to this youth hostel uh, in, in north of Paris. And I met the guy, uh, Charles was his name, Charles, and he, uh, he, he kind of interviewed me. And, and so I you know, said, said, yeah, do you want the job? And I was like, yeah, please. And so he kind of, he showed me around the youth hostel. He did everything in French. And, um, and I really didn't understand anything that he was saying. I could follow like maybe 10%. Uh, of what he was saying. And I remember he was like explaining to me how the youth hostel worked. And, and I was just like dazed. And every so often he kind of turned around to look at me to see if I was following. Um, and, he, and he'd just say, uh, tu comprends? Uh, and I'd be like, what? <laughs> like that. I mean, the, the kind of gumption like that I had back then, it was really amazing to think about that. But I just really wanted this to happen. So the guy gave me the job. I mean, you know, bless him. Like, thank you for the opportunity. And then I found myself behind the front desk of this youth hostel with people just coming in and out, me figuring out what to do by basically just kind of guessing and copying other people there. But I really enjoyed the job because uh, I got to meet all these people and then there would be some French people that would come in and out. I'd have to respond to some emails in French. There were just... French was just becoming a part of my daily life. And even though I couldn't really speak it at that point, it was just... It was just kind of happening and like you know in the background I was learning with my books and stuff uh, and so I kind of had a bit of bit, I had more exposure to French than I would have had if I was back home but I wasn't really making much much of a you know, much progress and then one day I was at the front desk of the, of the youth hostel and this guy walked past outside and he walked past and then he kind of did a double take walked back and stuck his head through the window and then he kind of looked at me Walked inside and said, um, where are you from? I said, well, I'm from, uh, I'm from the UK. And he said, right, you, uh, are you learning French by any chance? And I said, yeah, I am. And uh, he turns out he was learning English. He was a professional dancer and he was learning English and he was looking for someone to practice with. And he said, you know, what I was thinking was, you know, we could maybe meet and spend an hour talking in French and an hour talking in English. That way we can practice. Uh, and I thought, well, that sounds like a cool idea. I would later find out that this is called a language exchange, something that's become a real kind of central part of my of how I've learned languages since then. But I would meet Luca like three times a week. We were both quite committed to it, and we would just sit down, and and, and we would spend an hour in French and an hour in English. And the thing is, like, I'm sure it was a kind of a big mess, but the, it was crucially important for me because that was the first time that I was able to actually have an hour speaking French with a sympathetic listener, someone who would sit there and listen patiently, correct my mistakes. And what I think this did was it just gave me the, it gave me the space for everything I'd been learning to just kind of filter through 
and and take resonance in my brain. And I remember from one week to the next, just becoming extremely uh, confident in French, much more confident than I was before. And I would just kind of follow this pattern of there were things that I wanted to know how to say, things that I was that I needed in my daily life in France. And I was like, so how do you say this? And how do you say that? And how do you say this? And um, I heard this. What does that mean? And he would just explain it to me. And I just write it down. It was a kind of it was a very unsophisticated approach, but it was kind of just brute force. And so that just got me up and running, speaking French. And it just kind of, I think it tipped me over the edge then to the point where I was confident enough to actually speak it with people. I, the things that you hear every day in France, I, I, just, I got used to by that point. And then so people that I would meet at work or out when I was, when I was out doing something, like I just crossed this confidence threshold and then it opened the floodgates to a lot more French in my life. Around the same time, I met a, I met a girl and um, she we, she became my, my girlfriend and she would help me quite a lot with French. She also spoke really good English, um, but, you know, she but that did really increase the amount of time I spent speaking French. And so like after, you know, three months, I guess, in Paris, I was now like just flooded with with French um, all the time. And it just obviously got a lot, a lot, uh, a lot better, like quickly. I think like, when I look back on that time now, the, I, I think I, it was my motivation and my, and my desire to kind of just learn that did it for me. So I, you know, I'd be working and whilst I was working at the youth hostel, if I had a five minute break, I'd be sitting, studying in my books. I tried, I tried to speak French with everyone that I met you know, with Luca and with my girlfriend, we'd be, we'd just be, we'd be speaking French all the time. And, but it just required, it required so much kind of like forward pressure for me just to kind of create those opportunities. And what I've learned about living abroad in many subsequent trips is that like nothing happens unless you make it happen. And going abroad often is not the panacea that everyone thinks because, because most people will not sit there and help you learn the language. You've got to create these situations. And I think with the, with the kind of just blind energy of a 19 year old, I was able to just create these situations for long enough to actually learn the language. Um, but, you know, the truth was that I wasn't very happy. You know, I'd been running away from something that had just kind of blindsided me in the UK. I didn't have any purpose in Paris. I didn't like Paris all that much, to be honest with you. The, it certainly didn't live up to this romanticized ideal that I, that I had about it. Um, but partly that was my fault because I had no money whatsoever. I was working these night shifts at the youth hostel like twice a week. I was living in, 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 the, in some, some, some backwater place. I can't even remember where it was now. I'm you know, sleeping on somebody's floor. It was like the worst possible combination because at that age, I just didn't know how to arrange my life and I just didn't have my just didn't have my my stuff together you know and so I think that because I just was a bit lost in life I ended up leaving France and going back home and in total I was there for about six months and um and really the thing that I took back from that the most important thing I took back from it was a couple of things first of all it was, it was the, the the realization that you that going abroad is not easy and you can be really miserable whilst also being abroad secondly it, it's the idea that you can do stuff both go abroad. Um, but most importantly for me, you can learn another language. And since then, since that time, I've actually never really spoken French much since then. I've never really had many French friends. I, I've used, I use it from time to time. I enjoy reading in French, but I haven't used my French that much in the last, in the last 20 years, funnily, funnily enough, even though I still like, even now can understand everything still, I can speak fine. This is partly why I, I 
I'm, I'm convinced that if you really want to get a language for life, you've got to get it to that level where, where I was, which I think was a kind of strong B2 level. And if you do that, you'll never forget it, which was, which was interesting. But the real gift that, that gave me was the confidence that I could actually learn another language. And so from that point then, I went on, I went back to London and then I learned Spanish and Portuguese and these are topics for another video. But if I hadn't done that back then, then I never would have gone on to learn lots of languages. And like I said, the, 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 these, these books that I've written, uh, all my everything I, I have over at storylearning.com, like all of the, the content creation, the videos, the, the, the blogs, all these things, that my podcast has all come from experiences I've had that, that germinated from that seed that was planted in Paris back in 2000. And so that, my friends, is the story of how I learned French. What is the most difficult stage in learning a new language? Well, many people will tell you that it is speaking. It's when you first start to speak and you have those kind of terrifying conversations in front of a native speaker for the first time. And it's terrifying because you realize that actually all that stuff you thought you knew well, it turns out you didn't know it quite as well as you thought. You begin to freeze up, you trip over, the, over your words, your memory just stops working, and speaking is just an all-round distressing experience. We've all been there, I've been there in many, many languages. And, and to help with this, I've written a series of books called 101 Conversations. And these conversations are designed to tell a story. So right from the first one to the very last one, it tells a really interesting story that's completely set in the target language. And these, because these are conversations, there is no narrative. There's no fluffy descriptions. It is just blow by blow, real conversations in the target language that are gonna help you learn and memorize the most important words and phrases in the language so that you can speak with more confidence. Now, these books I've written in French, German, Italian, Spanish, English, and they're all available on Amazon. So if you head over to amazon.com and you search for Ollie Richards 101, then they should pop right up. That is on amazon.com, search for Ollie Richards 101, and you can find there the Kindle version, the paperback version, the audio version, so that you can train your ear at the same time. There is this, these will keep you busy for weeks, if not months, and they're also super affordable. So I hope you go and check them out, and I hope you enjoy the books. Once again, on Amazon.com, simply search Ollie Richards 101.